welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of the Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts. And today we've got a very interesting subject I'm looking forward to discuss. It's all about non-monogamy and non-monogamous relationships. I've got an expert with me in this field. Her name is Jess Lynn. So welcome, Jess. Thank you so much. Now, Jess, you're a non monogamy relationship coach tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got into that particular niche yeah uh well it's certainly a niche that's for sure um so yeah I kind of so I'm a therapist by background um and I got into what I do now kind of through um you know, professionally wanting to explore other avenues and and ways to help people. And then just, um, it really resonates with me personally, as I myself have been exploring um, a type of non-monogamy called polyamory um, over the last several years. So I kind of wanted to like marry up those two things of you know, how can I reach more people um, in in larger areas that isn't tied to licensure? And, you know, what's like really going to mean a lot to me? And what do I feel like I can speak on and really help people with? Um, so through my own struggles and, uh, and triumphs, um, you know, I wanted to kind of use that to help other people navigate this. So just for the audience members, it's not familiar with the term non-monogamy can you just explain what your definition of that would be yeah so um my definition so non-monogamy uh is an umbrella term so essentially it means that a a person is if they are considered if they consider themselves non-monogamous they are um open to exploring more than one relationship at a time. And that relationship could be, you know, what we think of when we use the term relationship, like a romantic partnership type of thing, or it could be just a sexual relationship. It could be anywhere in between friends with benefits, all that kind of stuff. So it's really a, a, a kind of umbrella term. Uh, sometimes what people also think of as an open relationship, though um, there are those in the community who would consider an open relationship, that moniker to mean more of like a sexual open relationship. Um, but I think everyone, you know, kind of develops their own identity um, around these definitions. Is there a difference between non-monogamous and polyamorous relationships? Yeah, so yes and no. So polyamory is... Um, a term that is used to describe people who are interested in or seeking or having more than one romantic relationship. So poly meaning more than one amorous love, right? So more than one love-based relationship. Um, and so I would say that polyamory is a kind of subsect of non-monogamy. Um, so polyamorous 
people are non-monogamous, but not all non-monogamous people are polyamorous. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of, a lot of terms. And, you know, I think, uh, I think some people, uh, kind of feel like why, like, why are there so many terms? Why do we, you know, I think, um, for each individual person, it's kind of, you know, what works for you. Like if, if, if a label is important to you and you want to express who you are and what you're looking for and how you're living your life with that term, then great. If not, like that's okay too. You know, I don't think the whole point of non-monogamy is not putting yourself in a box. So if the label doesn't feel like it fits, then, you know, that's cool too. But yeah, there's a lot for sure. Uh, and, and and this is something by the sound of it that you practice and, and would you label yourself as non-monogamous yeah so I would say that I am non-monogamous and uh polyamorous so I have two long-term romantic relationships one um one of the men I am legally married to we've been married about going on six years now together going on nine uh and then my other partner also happens to be male um I've had female partners in the past, but currently uh, is we're coming up on a year together now. So that's kind of why I personally identify as polyamorous, because that is what I was looking for, at least um, in, in going into this. I wanted relationships. I don't know that I would say that I knew I wanted like a additional life partner, per se, like that person that you see being with for as long as possible, maybe living together, all that kind of stuff. But I definitely wanted the relationship um, part that was important to me. Okay. So do you, do you actually live with both partners or not? So I don't currently, um, but we, the three of us have talked about um, this and it is our goal within the next two years to either live together, like in a larger home or in like a kind of duplex situation where we're like right next to each other. Um, so that, you know, people kind of still have their own space, but, um, you know, uh, we do see ourselves living, acting, feeling as like a family unit, um, at some point, hopefully in the next two years. Okay. So, um, and you're the, the, the man that you're legally married to, is he got other relationships? So he, uh, does not have like a relation, a serious relationship per se. He dates, um, He's dated a couple people, um, all women. And um, he, I think, you know, polyamory, he also would consider himself, um, he would use that label of polyamorous. Um, I think for him, uh, it feels more, so for me, being polyamorous feels more like um, almost part of my identity. Like if I think back over like my dating history and my life, um, I can see like, things that remind me that I've always kind of felt this way and operated this way in my head, even though maybe it wasn't like socially sanctioned to actually operate this way. Whereas I think um, my husband, he would say that for him, polyamory is a choice, um, that this is something he's he wants to do with me. But um, I think for him, he enjoys different parts of it. Uh, he likes to, you know, meet new people and go on dates and, and, go to new restaurants and go, I am not a beach person. He likes to go to the beach with people, you know, just doing different things that um, maybe we, 
I would have done with him, uh, but isn't my favorite thing. Uh, so yeah, he does date. He does not have a current serious relationship, um, nor does my other partner at the moment. Um, but it's, it's also something that the three of us have talked about and in our individual relationships, and we're all very open to, you know, it's nothing's off the table, I guess. Um, mm. you know, and are there any children involved in your relationships? No, not currently. Um, we have talked about that and we would probably at this point we would probably adopt um my husband and I would adopt and we would just kind of figure that whole thing out and that's a you know when we come to it bridge uh certainly brings complications in any relationship right it, it changes the dynamic of any relationship and how did this subject get raised I mean or, or were you during your dating phase with your uh, legally married husband um just talking about this yeah so um we did talk like very briefly when we were dating just kind of in a you know trying to get to know like people's beliefs and that kind of thing I think we had a conversation in general about what do you think about monogamy like do you think that people humans are built for that do you think that that's something that is a choice that we make like as humans versus like other kinds of animals are typically not monogamous, right? So um, we talked about that and both kind of agreed that we could understand um, someone not wanting to be monogamous. And that's really as far as it went. Uh, and then in terms of how did it come up for like our relationship, I actually brought it up. Um, and I actually, I think there's like, um, sometimes they think there's a stereotype that it's usually the man that brings us up which certainly they do yeah. as well yeah. um yeah. I do personally a lot of the people that I've interacted with like that I've dated or or whatnot a lot of times it has been um the woman who's brought it up so I think it really depends it's like a personality thing um so yeah I uh, basically I just started seeing all of this stuff online and as you said in the beginning you know it's a hot topic right now and absolutely yeah, I was like reading these things and seeing these things online. And I'm like, hmm, this is super interesting thinking like, oh, I just find this like intellectually interesting, right? And like as a therapist, like, oh, what an interesting like psychological, you know, phenomenon, whatever. Um, and then I started reflecting, like I said, on like my past relationships. And I was like, oh, wait, maybe this is kind of me. Uh, so I brought it up to my husband, um, probably not in the most healthy way, I'll be honest, because um, terrified. Um, so I kind of just like threw it at him, like, what do you think about this? And he was like, in general, or for us? Because like, in general, people should just do whatever, you know, yeah, as long as absolutely. there shouldn't be any consent. judgment. There. Right? Like, you do you. And I was like, well, what about me? Us? Yeah. And he was like, Oh, okay. Um, can you say more? So we had a conversation and, you know, he just asked to think about it for a little while. I was like, well, yeah, obviously you're going to need to think. Yeah. Um, so it, uh, it started really, uh, what started it out was that I had, um, never experienced a relationship or sex or anything like that with a woman. And that's what I wanted to explore, um, in particular. And so he was very supportive of that. And, then I ended up here with two male long-term partners, which was not, like I said, not what I was like going for per se, but um, 
you know, sometimes life just happens um, in funny ways. But yeah, it was a an interesting beginning. That's for sure. It's I think it takes how could it not take you unaware, you know, unless mm-hmm. you had previously talked about it. I don't think anyone's expecting their spouse to like bring that up to them kind of randomly. No, I mean, it's it's not something I'd want to get involved with, to be honest. I'm very, you know, much on the monogamous <laughs> side of the fence. But yeah. um, what I have noticed with it being such a hot thing and it's trending so much at the minute that, um, you know, there are obviously some pros and there's obviously some cons, but I've seen a lot of fallout in relation to, you know, my clients thinking it was a good idea initially, uh, but then finding, you know, the reality of it was a totally different thing altogether. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's human beings are complicated, right? Like on any level. So it does, like, I would never tell someone that it's easy or to enter into it lightly, right? It takes a lot of work, um, a lot of like conscious, intentional effort and reading and research and support. And um, the one thing I think that happens that does tend to happen a lot, and I don't blame people for this, but I think sometimes um, if we think specifically about like, um, currently monogamous couples like opening up um you know as opposed to like um someone just decide you know kind of approaching dating in this way um I think for monogamous couples opening up um the one really important thing is like this is not a fix right like you have to have a really solid foundation so I think sometimes people um I have a lot of clients myself where like someone is unfaithful and so then they think okay well you know that really hurt but they're apologetic maybe if we do this together it'll feel different um and yeah do I think it could feel different if done in a healthy way sure but is that going to fix you know that rupture from infidelity no um and you know is it going to solve any if there's you know it's kind of I think of it to some extent as um sometimes couples, um, again, understandably will think, you know, our marriage is kind of on the rocks. We both want children. Let's have a child that'll bring us together. Right. And it's just not, you know, that's not the reality, No, you know, to try to like bring in something new or substitute something to try to bring you back together. I think so that's, it's an easy, easy trap to fall into. I don't blame people who, who find themselves there. Um, I think sometimes people are just trying to make their existing relationship work. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's not easy. I mean, I don't think relationships are easy in general, regardless, um, monogamous or not. So yeah, I mean, it, there definitely is, there's a decent amount of fallout, you know, just like there is a monogamy, right? I, we're certainly not immune by any means. No. And, um, I suppose, um, I think that there needs to be sort of a redefining of what relationships going forward actually are, because, you know, the old vows of till death us do part really don't really have a place, I think, in modern relationships these days, you know, and um, I think the expectation of that is too much pressure. You know, for me, I've been married. I was married for 23 years. Then I had another long term relationship for 10 years, but they both ran their course. You know, for me, that 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 shouldn't that should be natural and normal for people to feel that, you know, you can have long term relationships without. I mean, initially, you 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 would think 
and like it to be for a lifetime. But, you know, I think the realization and the expectation and the pressure of that is, is, is unrealistic. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I think, you know, and, and that's where, like, that's one of the things I feel like monogamous, non-monogamous, whatever your relationship structure, like, I feel like that's somewhere like that hopefully like we can all meet at is like, why, why this pressure, why this, you know, um, this idea, it's almost like, um, there's like this prevalent idea in society of like, if a relationship is not lifelong, right. If you don't make it, like you said, the till death do us part, then like, that's not a good relationship or a significant relationship, or it must not have been important to you or, and that's just not true. I mean, we meet people in all kinds of spaces of our lives, even in, in friendships, you know, where you do some sort of like retreat or you get interested in a hobby or whatever and you form this very very close you know a friendship is a relationship right relationship with someone and then maybe you don't really talk ever again after that's over or or it fizzles out but that doesn't mean that that wasn't significant and so I completely agree with you like just because you you know have had these two examples that you gave like those are both really significant, important relationships and you care about those people, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you that this whole, uh, you know, I think if that's a goal someone wants to shoot for, you know, till death do us part, fantastic. And please put all of, you know, your energy and, and, and your resources into that. But if it doesn't work out that way, that's okay. People change. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, like you said, friendships run the course and we don't sort of make a big deal about losing our friendships as much as our romantic partners, yeah. do we? Yeah, no, I mean, it hurts us, but I don't think societally, like, I don't think in general people look down on you and say, wow, you know, you were best friends with that person for 20 years and now you just don't speak to them anymore. Well, I don't think people do that in general, like societally on the whole, right? The people close to you might wonder what's going on and making sure you're okay. But yeah, no, we definitely, I think, you know, like divorce is like, why is divorce a dirty word, right? Like if you're in a relationship and it's not working out and what's really best for both of those people for whatever reason is to end that relationship, why is that a bad thing? I think that's a, you know, a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they weren't bad relationships, you know, they were healthy and good relationships. And there was no toxicity or bad, uh, unhealthy uh, traits within those relationships. It was just a case they ran the course and that and that was it. The same as with, you know, any friendships that I've let go of. So, um, you know, I think relationships need to be redefined, especially romantic relationships in terms of our expectations. Um yeah, and I'm glad that you your thoughts are similar on most lines. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I think um, you know, we we just don't uh and then I think the pressure can get to people, right? You know, I wonder why, you know, I've had friends, relatives, et cetera, who stay in very un who stay in, you know, toxic relationships, but also who stay in relationships where maybe it's not toxic, but they're just not happy and they're not the same person they were 20 years ago or what have you. And there's just this like pressure of like, well, if it doesn't last forever, then you failed. And that just doesn't make sense, right? Like we don't expect someone to stay in a job that they don't love forever until they retire if they don't like it. We don't expect someone, you know, it, 
in in anything else any other type of like relationship yeah certainly in other areas of life like you say the job or like we've discussed friendships so going back to the non-monogamous um topic how did you or did you um set up boundaries or guidelines initially I mean I mean did were things like jealousy discussed yeah so um in the beginning we uh we had a very long car ride to my cousin's wedding and so we took that opportunity to I had a notebook and we just kind of like talked through different things and wrote down um you know some relationship agreements so things like you know were there uh for either of us, any, what we would consider like hard nose, like this type of person is not someone that we would want each other to be involved in. Um, there's this um, concept of veto power, wherein um, some people have it or, or don't have it, where you can essentially like say, no, I don't like this person you're dating, right? And we didn't want that, but there were some things we wanted to just make sure, um, you know, that each other were safe, right? And so our main thing there was if I see you, my current partner, in a relationship that I feel like is changing you in a way that is unhealthy, not anything to do with the person you're with, just you yourself are becoming different in a way that's not serving you. I'm going to bring that to your attention, right? Um, And jealousy, for sure. I mean, I think there's this, like, concept uh, that, like, people who are non-monogamous or polyamorous must not get jealous. Um, and that's definitely not true at all. Um, you know, I think again, we get, we as humans can get jealous in so many types of relationships. We experience jealousy in friendship, right? Especially at a very young age, right? Where that's your best friend, but now they have another friend and it's like, oh my gosh, what, but, but, but that's my best friend. Right. But we grow out of that. Or even with siblings. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like, oh, well, we're close, but like this sibling is like the black sheep of the family, right? Like we don't really include them, but usually we grow out of, if not the practice, this mentality of like, you can't have more than one best friend. We usually grow out of that and realize that's a little silly and like, we can do that. Right. So, um, within like our, our relationship, you know, we did talk about at the beginning, like what points knowing ourselves as individuals and as a couple where do we think that we would most likely experience jealousy and those kind of things um and now the way we view jealousy is kind of um you know i i can't read your mind so bring it to me right if you're sit if i'm out on a date or i'm you know whatever and you're finding yourself sitting there having this feeling please when i come back or the next day what have you bring it to me and say, Hey, you know, when you were out with him, I was really just feeling this weird feeling of like, I don't know. I was like missing out on something or why don't I get to do that thing with you or what have you. Um, and mostly what it's come down to for us is to me, jealousy or whatever we, we call jealousy. It's not a negative thing. Um, we labeled it as negative long time ago, just like we label anger as negative emotion. They're not inherently negative. Um, it's just what you do with it. Right. So your reaction can be a poor reaction. So we just kind of look at it as, okay, I'm feeling this way. Why, what am I feeling like I'm missing? Is it time? Is it an experience? Is it, um, you know, some, some other thing that I'm feeling like they're having that I'm wanting. And 
how do we then come together in our relationship to make sure that the person's needs being met, whatever that is that feels like it's missing. And what about um, safe sex then? What Were there discussions around, you know, mm -hmm. how to practice and keep yourself safe in that regard? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, something we talked about from the beginning is there's really no such thing as safe sex because there's inherent risk, right? So safer sex and how do we uh, practice that? So, yeah, we have, um, you know, I... Um, at this point, I personally am kind of, we call it polysaturated, meaning I'm good with my two partners and I'm not looking to date at the moment, but my husband is, right? So whenever um, kind of our agreements are around um, having honest communication around sex and, and talking to uh, the person about, you know, how many partners have they had recently, you know, we're not trying to like dig, we don't need names, like stuff like that. But just, you know, have you basically have you been sexually active with more than one person in the last several months? Um, and if so, um, we do uh, ask our partners to get tested for STIs. And we also in turn get tested. Um, and, you know, then we've had discussions about, um, you know, barrier protection and in what instances it would be okay to no longer use condoms or things like that. Um, and we, we try to just, um, have kind of like a, a basis for this kind of, um, agreements around sex and then kind of like have a discussion from there. Like I went out with this, he went out with this woman, right. And, and we talked about this, this is what they said. And, and, you know, I saw their test results, whatever. Um, and then, you know, if additional people are added, obviously, you know, we want to be cognizant of that for everyone involved. I think that's one of the, um, I don't know, more, I guess, more complicated, I guess, things is right. Like if I currently only have two sexual partners, um, but one of my partners doesn't, it's just him and I, but then my husband maybe has more than one at a, at a time or what have you, then that those sexual partners also of his also affect my other partner, right? So just all kind of like having like a, a basic um, conversation around it. And usually it's fine. Um, it's like slightly uncomfortable at very first to begin talking about. Um, but really, I think we all just want what's best for each other, right? No one wants anyone to, um, you know, have to go through treatment for something or anything like that. So does your other partner um, have multiple partners? So uh, he did when we began dating. Um, he was in another long-term relationship, um, but that has since what actually what we call de-escalated. So they actually still live together and are friends um, and all of that but they are no longer involved in a romantic or sexual relationship. So um, that has, uh, so, you know, we still, uh, I still have interactions with their former partner. Uh, we still do some social things together. Uh, we all went to like an oyster fest. We're going to go to a, a brew fest at the zoo, things like that. Um, so they're still a very important person in his life, um, but they're no longer together. But yeah, so it's just, he and I on that side, though, like I said, it's, um, you know, nothing's off the table. If he came to me and said, I really um, want to get back on dating apps or I'm interested in this person I met or what have you, um, the expectation would just be that we have an honest conversation about that before he went forward with anything.
For anybody listening to this, Jess, that was considering this as an option, um, what advice would you give? Um, I would say my main advice would be to think about for yourself individually, if you, and then if you are in a existing partnership, you know, then we, we expand that out as well. But I think what's important is to find a way to sit with yourself in your own mind, um, you know, journal or, or whatever, however it comes to you, what your why is. So why do I want to do this? And what am I like hoping to gain from it versus like, what do I want to do? So there's a lot of, you know, I only want uh, this type of relationship, or I only want a sexual relationship, not this. And all that's important as well, but that will come kind of organically in discussion. I think the most important thing is to first figure out for yourself individually, why, why am I interested in this? What do I think it could bring to my life? You know, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, all that stuff um, before you kind of jump to the, and what does that look like? Um, cause it's easy to just jump to that part. Um, because you know, you, you get excited or, or fearful or whatever. And, and we just kind of jump to the, what does it look like? You know, how many partners, what, you know, so I think just tapping into that, like, who are you, what's important to you as a, as a human and values and all that stuff is important to start. Yeah. Cause I've had clients that, um, have experimented and, um, you know, I've, I've regretted it because it, it wasn't, uh, as I say, the, the reality wasn't <laughs> wasn't the same as what the, I suppose, fantasy was originally. Yeah. It didn't, it, it sort of caused all sorts of problems, you know, especially yeah. with jealousy. And um, like you say, uh, it's not the, it's not a, a fix for a relationship that's in crisis, yeah. certainly. Um, so um, I think what you're doing is, is good in terms of, you know, for those people that are considering this to actually uh, have somebody to sort of bounce ideas off around the pros and cons of of what what to, their expectations might be in terms of um, the yeah. reality is great. So bearing that in mind, what, what is your best contact information, Jess? Yeah, um, so... Right now, I'm in the process of building a website. So I would say my best contact would be email right now. So that's um, just my name, Jess, J-E-S-S, at bothandcoaching.com. So both, B-O-T-H, and A-N-D, coaching.com. Great, thank you. So anybody that's interested in uh, or finding out a little bit more information, then they can reach you at that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Excellent. So any final words of wisdom that you would like to leave our listeners with around this particular hot topic of uh, non-monogamous relationships? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that's um, in doing these kind of things that's important to me is, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, this is all about just doing what what feels right for you and best for you as, as an individual. Um, I, you know, was happily married and in a monogamous relationship and, and there was nothing missing. Um, and I, you know, certainly am, would never in a million years try to suggest like, oh, this is the right way or the best way. You know, I, it's not that uh, I think or any of us think that non-monogamy is better. I think it's just, um, you know, like you said in the beginning, um, we're just hoping for non-judgment and 
and and seeing non-monogamy and monogamy as equally viable options for people to choose, um, you know, what's best for them. And so I think um, I have many friends in very, very happy long-term monogamous relationships, and I love that for them. And I, you know, would never want them to be anything other than who they are. Um, and so we just, you know, hope for the same on this side. And, uh, you know, it's all about growing and, and relationships are at the end of the day, right? Regardless about, you know, finding people who get you and growing and, and just kind of living your truth. So I hope that anyone listening, you know, feels empowered to do that regardless of what that looks like. And also bear in mind, you know, what their current relationship, if they're in it, is like at the moment is it strong or yeah. is it you know falling apart and yeah. not making a decision based on you know a rocky relationship initially right right like what you know where are you at and and where would you hope to be whatever that looks like and and you know how can you get there and not you know deciding based on like a a hail mary pass or you know just you know kind of um really digging in and making sound decisions about what's best for you and any relationships you currently have for sure. Excellent. Thank you so much, Jess. It's been a fascinating conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. So it just leaves me to say listeners, true love starts with opening our hearts and until next time, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group, Two Hearts Entwined, or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn, or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts-entwined.com. Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.